You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the newest episode of the Phantom and Gary Show, where our five-year ongoing mission is to talk about Star Trek, but apparently we're never actually going to talk about Star Trek. Uh, we're here tonight because it's our monthly meetup to get together and, and uh, do a podcast. We made a goal, and we're not sticking to it at all because things keep happening. Uh, last episode, unfortunately... Uh, Leonard Nimoy passed away right before we recorded, so rather than discussing uh, Star Trek specifically, we discussed the life of a great and admirable man. And this time, fortunately, we have happier circumstances that are derailing our intended topic. Uh, Gary and I were going to get together and talk about the original series. But big things happened over the weekend that I'm pretty sure everybody is aware of. We are definitely going to discuss two of them. Uh, we might get around to more depending on how things go. But we saw new trailers for Star Wars The Force Awakens and for Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice. Uh, very different circumstances surrounding the release of each of those trailers and very different responses in the online community regarding both of those trailers. And I, I think we're going to run the gamut here tonight. But before we get any further, I want to, of course, welcome my fellow host, Gary Mitchell. It is nice to talk to you again, sir. Always good to be here. Always glad to talk about Trek eventually. <laughs> yeah, someday, <laughs> maybe. And uh, we have a very special guest tonight. Uh, as soon as Gary and I decided that we were going to allow ourselves to be waylaid again, I had somebody in mind that I wanted to bring in to help us talk about this stuff. I've known this gentleman for years and years, and he, he has an accolade in that he whooped the fucking shit out of me at Star Wars Trivia uh, years and years ago. And he is the reason I no longer play Star Wars Trivia. And I say that in the best way possible because it was more of a, oh, I don't have any business doing that with people like him out there than a, oh, I'm sad because I lost. Because let me just tell you, I, it was it was a powerful win. There were no ill feelings whatsoever because Mr. Chad J. Shonk is truly one of the masters of Star Wars lore. How are you doing tonight, Chad? I am good. It's great to hear your voice. <laughs> it's nice to hear you, man. Uh, been a long time. You, I, when we sat down to play, uh, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. I think you and I were the last ones going in because I want to say the roommates were involved. Like there were a few of us just sitting around hanging out. I believe it was yeah, Star Wars more casual. Agency. Yeah, yeah, totally. It wasn't really. Yeah. It wasn't like. Thought they were in for a good time. Yes, yes, exactly. We we thought we were just having some fun, and then uh, Jedi Master or or perhaps Sith Lord Shonk uh, 
brought the Sith lightning all up in my ass. But it, it was amazing. I was I was too impressed to be upset because you really knew your shit. And I mean, I'm talking. I you know I know well at the time I knew expanded universe stuff. I mean, I. I thought that I was a fan of the minutiae of Star Wars, but you truly were the master. Uh, yeah, I... Yeah, it's a sad time in my life. Um, <laughs> There's nothing sad about it. I used to I used to play... Um, there were times where I would run the table where other people wouldn't get their turn. <laughs> so I would just fill up my pie and, um, and then I'd let them pick the top ten cards out of the stack and pick, like, the worst five ones for the finals because <laughs> it just got gross. Um, but that all stems from a highlight of my childhood, which was, I think it was the 1995 or 1996 Dragon Con. Mm. Uh, there in Atlanta held a, um, a Star Wars trivial tournament. It was the first time they did it. It was, like, a field of about 120, I think. Um, and I just ran through it. Just... <laughs> Just ran through it, ended up in the finals, won a bunch of books and micro machines and stuff like that. Which only so, fueled the fire. Yeah, I would I would not fare as well now, uh, only because my knowledge of every little character name in the prequels and stuff is not as good, uh, for obvious reasons. I didn't dive quite as deep into the prequel lore. I it's it's interesting because I've found that some of those names have kind of because even even the original trilogy guys some of those names have have kind of fallen out of my head like I can pull out a Moma Nadon every once in a while but Absolutely. some of the other guys like I'll look at my shelf and just be like shit I'm not sure what his name is you at least have the toys you, you, oh yeah because your toys that kind of keeps the names a little more live for you that's yeah, what yeah. Seth Green from Robot Chicken always said that well he was a Star Wars fan the reason he knows. Every single name of every single character was the toys. Yeah, it definitely helps because it's a constant refresher. Um, yeah. So, Chad, give us a little bit of what, what's what's up with you. Where do you come to us from? What are you doing now? Uh, I'm currently in San Francisco, California. I would say sunny, but it's absolutely the opposite. It's very cold out today. Um, I, uh, I'm from Atlanta. Went to high school and college there. Um, been in California for about 15 years. Was in Los Angeles for a long time. I'm a screenwriter and a novelist now, I guess. Um, I guess one book, I can still call myself a novelist, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and I, I live here with my wife and kid, and I write. So you, you, you have your family sanity keeping you going and your, uh, your work sanity... I guess pursuing the dreams. Yeah, pursuing the dream is 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 a way to put it. Bashing my head against my keyboard is another <laughs> way to put it. Um, people always tell me, you know, it must be nice. You're like, yeah, it's nice when it's working, and when it's not, you know, it's uh, yeah, it's well, dead. As, as has been said, writing is easy. Just open a vein and bleed <laughs> and bleed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was either with Kerouac or Hemingway. I don't even remember, but yeah, all you have to do is open up a vein and bleed, and it is. You know, there's nothing worse than a uh, blank screen and uh, or a blank page, but not blank screen, I guess. Well, what what I find is that when I do not have time to write, and granted, I'm not writing on quite the scale or the uh, that that you are, but you know, I, I, we've got the site and everything. And yeah. I find that when I do not have time to write, when I'm involved in other things, I have all kinds of wonderful ideas and goals and plans. And then when I actually do sit down with time to write, it all flies away. Yeah, no, I read a lot of your posts, just not the ones about wrestling. 
<laughs> and I can't blame you for that because those yeah. are not the gold of the bunch. Um, yeah. Just levels of interest. Let's uh, let's get into it because we've got absolutely potentially a lot to discuss. None of which... I've got notes and everything. Oh man! Oh, oh. oh gosh! I left notes behind long ago. See, there's part of my problem. I think um, we're going to start with probably the most contentious of the trailers that that have come out recently, and that would be for the sequel to Warner Brothers Man of Steel. Uh, Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. I l- let me start this by saying that I have in my head ideal movies for all of the DC Comics superheroes. Uh, they are very similar to Justice League Unlimited, <laughs> and I <laughs> don't think that any media representation of the DC superheroes will ever beat that cartoon. I, I like that universe better than the comics. Yeah, it's it's because they they were able they had to pull out the best qualities of each character, and mm-hmm. they were working on a time frame. You know, you didn't you couldn't give Booster Gold two hours necessarily, or you know, a, to- a full TV series or whatever. So they had certain constraints that you know, from a certain point of view, kept things from getting shitty. Because you could only highlight kind of the best central qualities of each character. Mm-hmm. Well, I admit my favorite Batman movie to date is still Mask of the Phantasm. So. Oh. And and uh, excellent choice. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, you can't even argue that. Yeah, One of my I favorite television a, shows of all time. Yeah, I worked at a movie theater, and we the, the the every summer was the hell of the Wednesday morning movies for the, for kids, mm-hmm. and they would bring in you know all the the school ki- you know all the kids from the different places, and you know come watch a movie for a buck, and you know and it was a it was you know a, a reign of terror because it was thousands of you know children. Yeah. And the one highlight one year was, oh, wow, Batman Mask of Phantasm's on the list. And I told a manager, and she went, wait, what? No, that movie's too scary, and called district management and got them to yank it. Wow. I could have killed her. And, well, you know what, though? It, it's an interesting point uh, because, it is, I mean, it's intense. It's, it is the show itself, judging against the standards of what's on television today, Batman the Animated Series is intense, particularly – the later seasons where th- they even get a little sexy with uh, yeah. like Harley and, and some of the female characters, uh, it, it's a high-level show, and Mask of the Phantasm raised it even further since it was theatrical. But having said that, uh, personally, Man of Steel is not the Superman movie I would have made. I enjoyed it with a number of sort of disclaimers attached. Like, I loved Henry Cavill. I thought he did a great job. I thought he portrayed the better characteristics of Superman. Uh, I did not like the fact that the movie was gray. I, but there were things about it that I liked, and I'll never get the Superman movie that I think I should get because not even the 1978 Superman is quite the Superman I want. Uh, but I'll I'll roll with what we've got. So going into Dawn of Justice, I don't hate this this Snyder verse that we've got, and I I prefer it overall to, you know, Nolan laid the groundwork for all of this, but his Batman movies are not related to this universe. No, I'm curious going forward to see what we're going to get. I have a lot of hope, but it's all reserved. So I want to start with Chad 
You made a very strong post on Facebook that that is uh, that was kind of the the sealing the deal because when we were going to talk about Star Wars, I was like, oh, I'd like to have Chad on. That would be cool. But then I saw your post on Facebook and I thought we have to have Chad on. So. How do you feel about this trailer and and about the impending uh, you know Snyderverse as it were? Uh, I was not a fan of Man of Steel. Um, I am in the camp very anti Man of Steel. Okay, so I admit I I do not go into the trailer with uh, the best the most open mind. Sure, um, going into it, um, I, I I did not as you said it's a very gray movie, but I also think that Man of Steel is very narratively flawed. Um, I think there are a lot of things in it that don't make any sense, but at the same time, it's just isn't Superman to me. Mm-hmm. And um, and in the same way, I would say the first two Nolan Batman movies are great movies, but not necessarily great Batman movies. Yes, um, I, I agree with you a hundred percent on that. They're no, awesome they, movies about a rich dude learning to be a ninja. Yeah, <laughs> not and they're great, great Batman movies, and they're and they're absolutely great, but they're not perfect Batman movies. Yes. With Man of Steel, I didn't think it was a good movie or a good Superman movie. Um, and I, yes, I am one of those people that complains about the body count in it. Um, sure, sure. It's one thing that I think. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna say something, and I don't remember who I heard it from, but I did hear it from somebody. I don't remember if it was Joss Whedon or it was on a podcast or somewhere talking about how superhero movies have become a, not about saving people; they've become about mitigating damage. Interesting. And, oh, and I, I saw that quote too. Yeah, yeah that but, was. Um, oh, I'm, I'm pulling. I don't even remember who I, it was. I saw the guy. I want to say it was Whedon, wasn't it? Wasn't it a post Avengers comment where where no? Because yeah, if it, if it was him, I think I would no, have thought uh, too Landis, much. Landis, Max Landis. It was yeah, Max Landis on yes. the oh nice Nerdist, on, on the Nerdist podcast, probably. Yeah. Yeah, and he did a whole nine-minute bit on YouTube. I watched like three or four days ago. Yeah. Again, okay, yeah, and it, and it that struck a nerve with me when I heard that. I said I believe he was on the Nerdist talking about it, mm-hmm. um, and it really did strike a nerve with me because of that. Because I just felt you, you mentioned the 1978 Superman, and as cheesy as hell as the end of that movie is, at the very least, he turned back time and saved everybody. Yeah. And in these movies, it's, all right, a couple hundred thousand people die, and the superhero saves another couple hundred thousand. Um, and I was incredibly frustrated at Man of Steel, because at least in the Avengers, they gave lip service to the fact that they were trying to keep the battle contained, that they were sure. saving people, they were getting people out of buildings. Man of Steel had none of that, um, to the point where he would make a joke and make out with his girlfriend while there are buildings crumbling and we know from real life there are probably people in those buildings and you know he can hear them because he's fucking Superman. <laughs> yeah. so that means he's ignoring them. Um, the Superman in that movie reminds me of the Superman in Superman 3 after he gets the bad kryptonite and turns into like super douche. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that bothered me. So going into Dawn of Justice, I'll admit I wasn't not 100% on board. Um, I used to be a supporter of Zack Snyder, uh, but Man of Steel took that away from me. Um, and I had uh, mixed feelings, I'd say, about the Dawn of Justice trailer, mm-hmm. um, to say the least. Uh, one of the problems I have is slow the hell down. Um, <laughs> we just 
and this is something I think it's a, it's a problem, is that we just met Superman a movie ago. And one of the problems I have with that film is that part of the plot is that Zod shows up and says, give us, you know, uh, Kal-El. And the world doesn't know he exists. He hasn't been helping people. He hasn't been out in the world. He's not Superman. So it, the dramatic dilemma of handing over this guy to save the world, to me, is not a dilemma. Yeah, the whole right? world goes, who? This guy? Sure. <laughs> Take him. Take him. Now, if, it would be more interesting if he had spent ten years and become Superman instead of walking to Earth like Kane in Kung Fu, that, Sam Jackson would say. That is interesting because I, I hadn't really considered that. My thought was more... Uh, do we give this person up just to appease this outsider? I, I I hadn't given it the thought of if he had developed himself as Superman and and how much more impactful that that might have and, been, and, and how much more conflict that creates. But right. but but regardless, we get to the Donna Steel trailer, and it's the first thing it or Donna Justice trailer. Sorry, the first thing it does is it. It uses quotes and voices from real people like uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson and Charlie Rose to try to ground it in a reality, mm-hmm. you know, trying to tell you that this is our reality, yeah. uh, which, again, to me is a strike against it being a DC thing because DC is anything but reality. Yes. And the, th- the plot of it seems to be, or at least the beginning plot of it seems to be, the world already hates Superman. And we've skipped the part where he's done good stuff, <laughs> where he's a hero. Right. It's always it's about is he a god? Is he a menace? You know, they use the word devil and god and all these things, and then people chanting "Go home" over his statue. Mm-hmm. And I just go like, where was the part where he was a good guy? Where was the part where he was a hero? It feels like they're just accelerating. It reminded me of that part in Star Trek uh, Into Darkness when Kirk gets his, um, uh, his the ship stripped from him for violating the Prime Directive. Right. And then ten minutes later, he gets it back. Yeah. And you're like, well, what was the consequence of that plot point Yeah, if and he gets it right back? I'll uh, – here's where I'm looking at it, and, and you bring up a very good point. And, and again, I'll say this is not – the Superman that I would prefer, right. but it's interesting to me. I, I don't agree with them grounding it in reality. I don't need real people in the Superman movie because you're right. DC doesn't use New York, doesn't use Chicago. They made up cities. It's much more fantastical uh, than Marvel. It always has been to me, but uh, I'm looking at this as this is, a Superman for our times, for our paranoid, uh, insular times. And I, I look at it and I think this is what would be going on. This is what would be happening. And while I would, I would prefer a happier, brighter Superman that really does stand for hope. I, I'm interested in this take. I'm not saying I love it. I'm interested in it in the same way that I'm interested in like the Earth One graphic novels or Elseworlds or that sort of thing. Like it very much feels like an Elseworlds. Yes, and and yeah. you know what? I'll I'll go along for that ride. Uh, I'll give it a chance. Yeah, it very much does feel like an Elseworlds. Unfortunately, uh, it's not called Red Sun. 
Right, in, right. Uh, which I would go see in a heartbeat. But yeah. this is DC, Warner Brothers. This is their main line. Yeah. Right? Yeah, this is right. their jumping off point. This, this is, is them building just up to Justice League. And I use building loosely because I think they're kind of forcing it. But oh, sure. it's them mm-hmm. building up to Justice League. And um, it just I, – I, you know, my story I always tell is that when I went and saw Man of Steel, there were two um, – a mother and her two children there. And they were probably eight and ten. And the kids were decked out in like Superman shirts and everything. Yeah. They were pulled from the theater crying before we were even done with Krypton. Yeah. And they – so these kids who came with their Superman t-shirts didn't even get to see Superman. Because it was so loud, and it was so violent, and it was so just just bombastic, bleak. And, and, and it's bleak, and it scared them. They didn't. It wasn't the you know, and and I'm not saying it has to be for kids or it doesn't, but there there does come a point where there's, in my opinion, there's a responsibility from Warner Brothers from DC that Superman is not theirs anymore. <laughs> we, yeah. Everybody knows what Superman is. He belongs to everybody, and he comes with certain things. It's the same reason why we hate it when Batman is ever de- de- depicted using a gun. Mm-hmm. You know, it's there are certain things that are associated with that character, and um, and so uh, to me, Man of Steel kind of ripped it down, uh, and it, it hurts me because if you would have told thirteen year old me. Hell, twenty-three-year-old me, <laughs> anything that you were going to go see a Batman Superman movie, I would flip my shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and now I look at it, and I'm not looking forward to it. I'll probably see it because you know it's required. Sure, um, sure. Plus, I can't bitch about it if I don't see it. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you know, and I can't there is a it. chance it might be good. There is. There absolutely is, and I, I will uh, hopefully be surprised by it. And not have my feelings confirmed by it. Here's you. You bring up a really good point, and something that I have been doing and not conscious of. Uh, we as humans like to rationalize our our passions and the things that we enjoy. And I will admit right now that I've been rationalizing a lot of little things in order to sit back and enjoy something. But you're right. To sit there and go, well, Superman's killed people in the comics, so that's okay. But you know what? To the world at large, that's not Superman. And just because he did it a couple of times in the comics for whatever reason, don't you want to foster that more positive worldview of Superman rather than have people having to dig through back issues and say, this happened this one time? Why not celebrate the general core of Superman? Yeah, can and can I go a on a rant? Point. Yeah, please do. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it all comes down to John Byrne and it, the, the reboot after Crisis. Because up until Crisis, that was the hard, fine rule. Superman doesn't kill. I mean, the whole Alan Moore, whatever happened to Man Tomorrow's crux is that he finally has to, and he quits being Superman to the point where he loses his powers. He sa- he's right. like, I don't have the right to do that. And now that I've done it, I can't be Superman anymore. And John Byrne did the reboot and had him go kill Zod and say, I'll never kill again because that was terrible. And and as Peter David said, there's a world of difference between I'll never kill and I'll never kill again. Yes. For a character. Superman is the guy who always knows what to do and does the right thing. He is an inspiration. 
I liked. I, I'm kind of like between you guys. I liked most of Man of Steel. I was up to. I was with the movie until the kill. And when he had him in the headlock, and I saw it coming, I sat there in the theater going, "No, no, 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 yeah, no!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And was that, when, that was Mark Mark Wade's response too, I believe. Yeah, you're right. Mark Wade yeah. said exactly that. Yeah, and when he snapped the neck, and I heard people behind me go, "Yeah," I went, my heart just dropped. As yeah. like, what kind of society have we become where we want our inspiration? I mean, you know. Like you said, never mind the fact that thousands of people died. Never mind the bullshit they try to feed us. That no, no, Metropolis was it was evacuated. Really? Yeah, you know. Well, my, my he had to save these four people. He could just move his hands over his eyes. Going along, going along with that rationalization that that I tend to employ. My thought there with with all of the battles and the, the massive destruction is he's still new. Mm-hmm. He's, he's fighting off these Kryptonians who have his powers, and mm-hmm. he just doesn't have his shit together to the point where he well, can and, do anything and, but just fight back at the, with the skin of his teeth. But Chad brought and up a good point. they're actual soldiers as opposed to him. Right. Yeah, like I said, I was with the battle. I, I enjoyed the battle. I was, like, caught up in the – I didn't think about the, the death toll until later. Well, and, but, but during the fight, I was like, this is awesome. This is Superman fighting supervillains. And yes. Chad brought up a good point, though. Afterwards, he's making jokes and kissing his girlfriend. Right. And that's something that didn't really, I didn't really catch on to until just now when you said that. And I'm like, holy shit, you're right. Like, we probably could have gotten away with it, except that they didn't address it after. Yeah. And, well, and that's why been... he does his, oh, scream. And then we cut to however long it is later. And, oh, we're all fine now. <laughs> and sure. apparently, Metropolis is okay, has been rebuilt quite quickly. Um, at the end of that, I mean, I, I would argue that the best Superman scene of the last, I don't know, since Superman 2 was the scene in Iron Man 3 when they're <laughs> falling out of the plane. Yes. yes. And he makes them all hold hands. And he figures it out. Not in Love Iron Man 3, uh, better than Iron Man 2, but I didn't love Iron Man 3, but that scene was a superhero saving people. Yeah. And to me, it was straight up Superman. It's one of the reasons why, and I know you've already talked about it on a previous show, one of the reasons I enjoy The Flash so much on the mm. CW is that he's just a good dude who wants to help people. Yeah. And yeah. that's an incredibly refreshing take. And I'm a Frank Miller kid. You know, when I when I started reading comics, it was in the Frank Miller age. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I like my Batman dark as fuck. You know, I really do. And I, I like... Uh, I, I like grittier comics. Uh, you know, I'm a Watchmen fan. That that's the era of comics that really affected me. But it is there's something nice about just seeing. You know, Barry's got his demons on that show, but he still just wants to help people. <laughs> and I, I, it's so much more refreshing than Arrow, which I enjoy as well. But it's just you know, Batman well, light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it it seems to be a, a combination of two things. It's but the TV show and the movie properties separation alone, that's a whole other podcast. Yes. Yeah, um, but the whole, you know, the division in the, the movies, it seems to be that the suits at Warner's are like, well, the only thing that, that we've had of success on was the Nolan Batman movies. So obviously what we need to do is make everybody grim and dark like yeah, Batman. Right, right. Because that's Man what of, draw, it gets put butts in seats. Man of Steel is the exact, is simply a response to Superman Returns. Mm-hmm. Because 
I, I didn't mind Superman Returns. I know it's just a big homage fan service thing. I, I, I enjoyed it. I see its flaws. However, people came out of that movie and they go, fucking sucks, man. He didn't punch anything. Yeah. All he did was save stuff. Again, <laughs> where he saves the plane is awesome. Yeah, yeah right? that was incredible. Seymour's when he pulls the boat out of the ocean? Oh. Yeah, right. Um, so Warner Brothers looks and goes, oh, everybody hated it because all he did was save stuff. He didn't punch anything. Let's make one where all he does is punch shit. <laughs> now, I'd love to see a movie where he saves people and punches villains. But That would be great. Yeah, yeah, that, would yeah. Be great. that would be it a win. It kind of also ties into the other thing because people think, and I don't know where this came from, probably from the 80s, you know, the whole dark thing, but people got into their heads that nice, good guys were boring. You know, yes. they call him the big blue scout, boy scout. and It's tough to write for. I'll give it that. Yeah. And for me, I just look at Winter Soldier, which has, you know, Cap, the biggest boy scout on the planet, and still managed to be thoughtful, complex, and make him an interesting character while still holding to his moral code. Well, that's because those films are about the conflict between those two things. Right. <laughs> right. It's taking ni- this 1940s golden boy and putting him in this day and age. And seeing how that affects him and the the conflict between his morals and the world he's living in, and that's what makes it fascinating. And that's kind of what I'd like to see in a Superman story: is a man who sticks to, or, or sorry, not a man, a Kryptonian, who sticks to his ideals, who sticks to certain principles, and has to learn how to abide them in 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 in, in the modern world. Yeah, that they want to put this in. All right, yeah. we've got just a couple more minutes to talk about Dawn of and we Justice. We haven't even mentioned Batman. I, yeah, I know that's ah. what I, is exactly what I was getting ready to say. Is yeah. let's uh, real quick, let's discuss Batman. I mean, Absolutely. really, we don't know anything about the Batman of this universe. Uh, there's suggestion that he has retired, which is a thing that I really hate because that was one of my big issues with the Nolan films: is the fact that Batman quit being Batman because crime happened to his girlfriend. That's the dumbest conceit ever for a Batman yeah. movie. That'll be we'll schedule a three hour podcast for that. <laughs> well with that rip that movie the shreds. Oh. Throw, go ahead and throw Interstellar in there too and you you, you can just sit back and listen. I haven't the fall seen of it yet, But uh <laughs> I will definitely just for the sake of having that podcast with you, sir, I will watch it. Um yeah. So we don't we don't know where this Batman is. I fucking hope he's not retired because Batman retiring uh it works in Dark Knight Returns only because it has to have happened to set up that excellent story. Uh, That's what but, they're trying to do. They're trying and, to do Dark Knight Returns. And see, yeah, I think you can do elements of Dark Knight Returns like the the idea of Batman's in Gotham City, he witnesses the events of Man of Steel. And this this was my idea as soon as Man of Steel was over, was Batman shows up to tell this kid, we don't do that. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know, like, it seems like they're sort of going that direction, but also trying way too hard to shoehorn Dark Knight Returns into this movie. It's like they don't understand the concept of let's take let's take elements of things and throw them in there as opposed to let's just adapt it. What do you or guys think? Or let's earn things. Oh yeah. Well, well they don't. They don't want to well. earn anything because man, they've got to get a Justice League movie out they, there. They've got to catch up to Marvel. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's, um, the, that's that's what's driving every decision. Yeah. That Marvel. Is, yeah. Marvel is desperately trying to get into a race that Marvel celebrated winning like three movies ago. Right. Exactly. And, and, and <laughs> yeah, we all walked out of the Avengers and said, "Well, Justice League's not going to be that good." Right. So. 
And, and and well, and the thing is, is not only is Justice League not going to be as good as Avengers. Like I said before, it's not going to be as good as the cartoon. I mean, they've no. they've already done it. Um, so, what do you guys think about? We, we can't even get into Wonder Woman and Aquaman and all that yeah, at this yeah, point. Yeah. What do you Rob guys think about the ocean? Uh, gosh, what do you guys think about Batman's involvement? I'm Team Batfleck on the simple fact that as an actor and a director, I still like Ben Affleck. Sure. And the only reason I have hope for the movie is the fact that he is a good enough director that hopefully he's sitting in the second one. Hey, Zach, how about we do this? Hey, Zach, how about we do this? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know if that's how it works. I, th- I think he's in his trailer going, you know, yeah, buying yeah. stuff with the big fat check he's getting from it. Sure. Because um, I love Ben as well, but he, he swore he'd never put on another cowl. After yeah. Daredevil, and um, uh, it, to me, the only reason he's doing it is the zeros. Not to say he can't put in a good performance. Uh, I do think it is very Dark Knight Returns esh. Uh, there's also a little bit of Kingdom Come I see in the kind of the the visuals, like the Superman as a god and all that stuff. It seems very Kingdom Come yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, I do think it is going to be him coming out of retirement. It feels like uh, I don't like the fact that there's a moment where he's got like the mask on and he's like he's bat Azrael, you know mm. from from nightfall yeah you know where it's like the electronic visors and like more of the yeah like it was well, definitely helmet. the it's definitely the the outfit from the end of dark knight Returns. yeah i mean that armor yeah. that armor is totally from dark knight returns my issue real, real quick what's up with that bat suit why does it look like it's Ragman? uh i think it's trying to be throwback it's supposed to maybe that's supposed to be his old suit but there's there's tired all the super weird like it looks like it's patchwork like it's very uh, odd looking maybe it's beat up i don't know it's definitely a weird textured thing and right right it it, and again we it's definitely older batman because he's got you know they put that giant streak of white along his temple because you know we only gray on one side of our oh i didn't even catch that yeah yes he does does okay there to make Ben look older than he is. I will say this: maybe he'd be, maybe you'd be able to turn your head in that costume. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, I like the cowl. I like the fact it's the short ears and not the you know the yeah. six foot high ears. Yeah. Uh, I'd like an old school, just black bat on gray, like mm. outfit. But you know, it is a problem. Superhero costumes. You know, as we saw in the Daredevil show and things like that. It, if, to do them accurately, especially in DC, they look silly on real people. Oh yeah, Christopher yeah, sure. Reeve is the sure. only one that's ever pulled it off ever. It's it's a it's a tough tough call to to yeah. put together a good one. Um, all right, so final thoughts before we move on. I I will see it. I'm not looking forward to it. Gary, I am definitely going to see it. I have hope, but it's it's a small small hope. I'm trying to keep it like, contained. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't want to be excited about it because I, obviously when you go into things with low expectations, you, you have a greater chance of being pleased in the end. Uh, but I can't help but be excited about Batman Superman. Uh, here, here's, here's the thing. Uh, my Marvel guys are Spider-Man and the X-Men. I never read any Avengers comics. I don't know anything about the Avengers aside from the movies. I fucking love the movies. Mm-hmm. But nobody, no character in those Avengers movies can hold a candle to Superman and Batman. And it's impossible for me to not be excited about a Superman and Batman movie, even though 
I know what we're, you know, I, I understand what I should be expecting. I have reservations. Mm-hmm. I know what DC and Warner Brothers are going for is this grim, drizzling shits universe that is not my preferred DC. God, it's going to rain so much. Oh, gosh. Mm. It never stops in Gotham or Metropolis. rains all the fucking time. Well, you see, Batman installed the bat sprinklers to keep fire <laughs> from getting out of control. <laughs> to suppress the heat vision. Um, But I just can't. It's fucking Batman and Superman. I, I'm with I, you. I can't not be it's excited. The only reason, it's the only reason I'm going to go at all. I know. I know. All right. Yeah. So, having discussed that... Obviously, we do not have time for the other two potential trailers we were going to discuss because we have to talk about Star Wars The Force Awakens. Uh, honestly, my boner's about to knock the table over for Yeah, I was going to say, let me go ahead and, you know, let's, get, let's let Gary, prepared. let's let Gary, uh, do some opening thoughts for this one. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god! <laughs> It's like it's the it's there's the one picture of me myself of uh, Kenobi. Oh, Kenobi going. I just heard a sound as if so- thousands of doubters were suddenly silenced. <laughs> and, and that's a really really solid point. Um, I was never doubting. I I was okay with J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies. Uh, Same here. I, I I enjoyed them for what they were. They'll like never the they'll they'll never replace original Trek to me. No, but I enjoy them. They're a new thing. Again, it's that Elseworlds thing. I've always been a huge fan of Elseworlds and like what if and alternate universe stuff. And I guess that's what's enabled me over the years to enjoy different takes on things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the expanded universe being jettisoned. I don't give a shit because I read those as they came out and they'll never lose the meaning that they have to me. Uh, and now we've got a fresh start, which to me is tremendously exciting because I had 20 years to soak in all that expanded universe, all those fantastic books and lots of the not-so-fantastic books, and that'll never change. And now I get a fresh start with a whole new continuity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's everything I've seen. I mean, the, the, the teaser we got back at Christmas was I mean that alone was was enough to keep me get me salivating. Well, and the thing and about that one was, one. look at all this new shit that's yeah. awesome. They yeah. didn't immediate. They didn't come out of the gate with here's Han, Luke, and Leia. Here's some cool new stuff. Check this out. I love that approach. Yes, and I, I love that new droid. I love the fact that we're follow. We've got a what looks like one of our main characters is an ex stormtrooper or about to be ex when the movie starts. Um. I love the the fact that the the tweaks to the design in the first one we couldn't tell, but in the new one you can see the tweaks to the design of the X wing, the tweaks to the design of the the Tie Fighters. Those new Tie Fighters, holy shit! Can I just buy one of those and just jam it up my ass? <laughs> Don't um, worry, you'll have plenty of time. They'll be on the shelves at Target before you know it. Uh, oh, Chad, yeah. Chad, what was your out of the gate? What was your reaction? I've been a skeptic as someone who bleeds Star Wars uh, my whole life and is a big fan and has read every novel and every comic and played every video game. I was a little burned at first about the jettisoning of the EU. Um, mm. I Only because for 20 years, like you said, for however long, ever since Heir to the Empire, in, which was what, like 92, um, I've been sold these products by Lucasfilm. They're not fan fiction. 
No. Right? They haven't been fan fiction. I have the official Star Wars encyclopedia that goes from pre-Republic days all the way up to the New Jedi Order. These are these are this is a universe that was endorsed by Lucasfilm. But didn't forever. you didn't you always have the well, maybe not always. Since 1999, didn't mm-hmm. you kind of have a feeling like, you know, I love this stuff, but if Lucas decides to contradict it, he's going to no, he's always said, but that, but that's the difference, though. It's he always said from the beginning that uh, when they were doing the prequels, especially that if he contradicts anything that was previously published, then he wins. But he wins because he's Lucas. Sure, sure. And, and that was a different thing to me. So I was skeptical about the Disney thing. I was skeptical about, you know, I always tell people that between they own the Muppets, they own Star Wars, they own Marvel Comics. All they have to do is buy the Cincinnati Reds. And they owned my childhood. They could, they could clone a me, right? Just they have so much. Of my genetic material is now property of Disney, that, and I don't even like Disney movies that much. Sure, but, but between everything else, you know, I, I guess I don't like the arbiter of family, quote unquote, family entertainment, all being under one roof. That said, they've done a good job of keeping letting Marvel be Marvel. Mm. And hopefully, Lucasfilm be Lucasfilm. Um, I was skeptical in a lot of different ways. I was reserved. I was a little. I've come around to your way of thinking as far as the expanded universe goes, but it's been a slower trek for me mm-hmm. um, because it is very important to me in a stupid way. But um, up until this moment, I have been, God help me, a Star Wars historian. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and now that doesn't count. Now that's gone, and I yeah. know it's not gone. But and uh, that's why I was a little upset by the Rogue One revelation. But that's for another story. Um, uh, but the little teaser I thought was cool. But the trailer it got me excited. Um, I love. There's a lot of black chrome everywhere, which will be interesting to see why everything is black chrome in this <laughs> new, new world. Um, I was excited to see the fact that it. It's not them just fighting the same old empire, but it looks like a resurgent kind of almost like neo-Nazi group. Yeah. Um, that I think the word is they're calling the 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 first order as opposed to the new order that mm-hmm. Palpatine had. So I like that it's not like forty years later they're just slogging through. That was one problem I had in the expanded universe was like the book that takes place like immediately after they're still fighting, and it's like it took away the victory from. Yeah from Endor that they kept fighting the Empire for another like 30 years logistically it makes sense but dramatically uh, it was always a little disappointing um, I I got excited I I, I, def- I definitely love it um, I have questions here and there um, oh, I, I've got a book worth of questions yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> which is which is the brilliance of this trailer it yes. gave us so many nuggets of joy and at the same time, it's almost like this whole world – well, it is. It's literally a whole new universe was opened. We were just given a little tiny glimpse, and they asked all the right questions. Why are there still stormtroopers? Who is this – like, where does this Sith fit into things? Who were these kids? Why are Han and Chewie 
on what looks like an even more decrepit Falcon saying we're home. Like, have they just retaken the Falcon? Has he not had it for the last 30 years? Like, Five or three, so yeah. many fantastic questions. Why, like, Where has Chewie been getting his hair done? <laughs> <laughs> well, Wookiees are very long that. Wookiees, are, Wookiees yes. live a long I know, I Yes, know. they live so. centuries. <laughs> But it's a yeah. good joke. Give Dude, me that. No, I know it great. is. I know everybody everybody says it. And I just – I instantly like my Star Wars geek cobbles right, it up. And I'm right? like, no, no. And then all of a sudden my glasses appear out of nowhere. Yes, yes exactly. You How know, and my, fucking... my complexion gets really bad and a pocket protector shows up. And I'm like, listen to me. Wookiees live a long time, damn you. Um, How great right does Harrison voice. Ford look though? Harrison uh, Ford looks amazing. Yes. Do you know what they got right? The haircut. Yes. Yes. It's yes. all about the haircut. I, I really though hope he hasn't been wearing that same shirt and vest for thirty years. I hope those are. <laughs> well, no, it's a different jacket. It's, different. it's a jacket. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. yes. Jacket. Uh, I just like I, I think where they nailed it. They nailed his haircut, and it and it's only three words. <laughs> yeah, at the yeah. end that made a lot of that made me tear up and made a lot of people excited and 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 instantly before the trailer, I think even was done. Like everybody had already made JPEGs of it for wallpaper. Yes. Um, is that he sounded like Han. And I yeah. say that being that in the entire, what felt like five-hour running time of what was supposed to be the fourth Indiana Jones no, movie. No, don't even I, mention that. Don't, that. don't even mention saying. it. He never once felt like Indy. Ugh. Right? He never once felt like he was playing Indiana Jones in that phoning, entire thing. I didn't understand what phoning it in meant <laughs> until I saw that piece of shit movie. Uh, from top to bottom, everybody's filling it in that movie. Um, Shia's probably trying the hardest. And there's and, a reason I have not watched it to this day. Still, <laughs> oh, yeah, I all? own it. Not I at all. It. I own it too because because it came with the the Blu-ray set. set. Yeah. See, that's why I haven't bought the Blu-ray set. I'm waiting to buy them individually. <laughs> I don't have to. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. I I I, w- I went and saw it, and I have my friend who's an editor uh, who edited the movie that I wrote, and we all went to the midnight showing of it. And he's got like the biggest, loudest voice and a, a great laugh. If you ever make a comedy, definitely put him in your audience. <laughs> and so we we go to the midnight show, uh, one of the last midnight shows I ever went to because uh, I'm a grown up. I can't do that anymore. And we. <laughs> And it was over, and all of a sudden we just hear, what the fuck was that? <laughs> and it was my friend, who loves everything, by the way. He's he's one of those guys that, like, you know, he wants to enjoy a movie, and he usually does. Yeah, He'll yeah. find something to enjoy. He can take his brain out of it in a way that I can't, and he can just enjoy the movie. And he was fucking livid. And I was like, "All right, if he hated it, I'm o- it's okay that I hated it." I mean, I I argue to this day it's actually worse than Phantom Menace, but I agree. No, like- I agree a hundred percent because Phantom Menace has uh, a few things in it. Y- yes, um, I, I agree with that. I I will defend that part of the original trilogy is watching Palpatine in action is okay that's a masterclass in watching a villain do what a villain does i will also say this that if you just read the novelizations of the original trilogy it's yes it's actually a great story it's the movies that fucked it up i highly recommend the rise of darth vader trilogy which is the book that took place before the revenge of the sith novelization yes of evil and then the book that took place after okay uh, real quick over real quick um because James Luceno wrote Labyrinth of Evil. Yeah, yeah Labyrinth of Evil. I have enjoyed most of his Star Wars works. He 
he wrote the first of the new Disney-approved, totally canon novels, Tarkin. I'm having a lot of trouble with Tarkin. Have you gotten into that? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Uh, not nearly as much as I enjoyed Darth Plagueis. Yeah. Um, I thought Darth Plagueis was quite good. Um, and actually, if you have some problems with some of the, the prequel stuff, Darth Plagueis answers a lot of it. Um, especially like the virgin birth and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I, I enjoyed Tarkin. It wasn't the complex, like, kind of like life-spanning biography I wanted it to be. That's what um, I wanted, and I think that's my problem with it. Yeah, but it, I, you know, I ended up enjoying it. But, uh, but yeah, those three books, uh, what they, I think they've repackaged them as like the the Rise of Darth Vader trilogy or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think are really good. And yeah, all the novelizations. I, I don't know if you heard, and this is on topic, is that uh, Alan Dean Foster. Who yes. wrote the novelization for Star Wars? Oh, for yes. Star Wars is writing the Force Awakens novelization. Uh, uh, okay, I'm guiding it then. My childhood is, is filled with Alan Dean Foster books. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I mean, it's a famous story where if you if you go by the book Star Wars, it says it was written by George Lucas, and it's um, actually, but it was ghost written. But in exchange for the ghost writing, he was given the first sequel, which was Splinter of the Mind's Eye, one of the weirdest Star Wars novels you'll ever read. With uh, lots of Luke and Leia action. <laughs> yeah, where where Luke like basically yeah. kills Vader at the end of it. It's yeah. really weird. It's really yeah, that, crazy. That's but, the book that kind of puts the the, the 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 yeah right to Lucas. Oh, it was all planned from the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. sure yeah. it was. No, exactly, yeah. And I have but uh I but the original novelization of New Hope is great that oh, yeah. Foster wrote. Uh I have an I have it in Italian. I have a, a different printing I have a first printing of the hardback. Um, it is one of my, you know, I, I always send out to him and I agree with the novelizations of the prequel movies. I don't think there are innate things wrong with the stories in the prequels, but the main problem is the execution and even more so the casting. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, yes. For a lot of it. And, and also the, the writing. I mean, well, Natalie Portman is an Academy Award winner, but you wouldn't know that watching those movies. Well, Real quick, before, before we get too far away from Alan Dean Foster, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. did you, yeah. did you guys hear, how they announced it? No. Uh, they were doing the panel, and somebody in the audience asked, "Hey, have you decided who's going to do the novelization for the Force Awakens?" And the uh, it wasn't Kathleen Kennedy; it was somebody else that was on the stage. And she said, "No, we haven't. Do you want to do it?" And they were like, "Well, yeah, I guess so." And she was like, "Okay, cool, done. You're doing it." And it turned out the guy in the crowd was Alan Dean Foster, uh, Dean Foster. <laughs> and he <laughs> and he came up on the stage. It was um, it was so oh, great. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's yeah, fantastic. yeah. I no, I mean they're definitely doing fan service. That's for sure. Yeah, yes. yeah I have to say this just because I have friends who went down to celebration. Sadly, I couldn't make it, but uh, I have to say that ever since they took over Kathleen and the people at Lucasfilm. Have suddenly got it right on how to deal with and interact with the fans. Well, just and the fact that they released that trailer, as opposed to trying to act, like covet it like some special jewel, uh, like Stephen Moffat would have done. Well, it was originally announced that it was going to come in front of the Avengers, right? And then yeah, they put it out, and I think the thinking is, it's not like people were not going to go see the Avengers. Oh you know? yeah. Yeah. It's not like that's why people were going to go see the Avengers. It's not like Wing Commander all over again. <laughs> well, then they also realized, I think, um, be, because we learned it with the Batman Superman one. If they had debuted it only at Celebration, it would have been, what, thir- 10 minutes after it finished that it would have been online in a crappy version? Well, let me ask you guys. Which is what happened with Superman. Do you Okay. Do you think, 
and and I I don't like getting into consp- no I, fuck that I love getting into conspiracy stuff. It, it happened stuff. with the Rogue One trailer though. Right, yeah, it totally did. And with Batman Superman, I almost wonder if that leak was really a leak or if that was just them testing the waters and then wanting to throw it out there because of what happened with Star Wars. I mean, I I, I don't give Warner's that much credit. No. no, I mean, it, releasing it when they did did feel like a counterpoint to Star Wars, though. Right. It did. I mean, whether the leak or not, I don't know. But releasing it when they did, releasing it right on top of it, um, did feel like a, a counterpunch. And it worked uh, because it, I, it yeah. rode it rode the same wave of publicity that Star it rode Wars its had. coattails. I think because sure. you see so sure. many like articles, BuzzFeed articles, and stuff about who which trailer wins the day, or and, or podcasts focused on the two trailers for that, right, or or <laughs> podcasts discussing the two trailers. Uh, to me, there's not a contest, but that's just just me. Um, getting back to the trailer, though, there were things that um, I loved quite a bit in it. The and this was in the teaser as well. I guess this is still a teaser, but in the shorter the teaser for the teaser. I don't know what you call that little <laughs> thing we got before. Right. Um, I hate all this trailers thing. for trailers now. Yeah, we have trailers for trailers. Was the the X wing skimming over the water? Was yes. one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life. Oh, um, gosh. Got me very excited. Um, yeah, more Sith. I you know seeing the red lightsabers and everything has got me a little trepidatious just because I'm like, oh, here we go, here we go again. My, but the one thing that I really was in, encouraged by was was simple. Is that one of the arguments I've been having with people about it is that unless that calling it Episode Seven is much different than just making another Star Wars movie, mm-hmm. and for me. I was saying that I think the movie is a failure if I don't feel the shadow of Anakin Skywalker hanging over the movie. Interesting. Because it's his story, the first yeah. six movies. Yeah. And I want to feel that shadow. I want to feel that he still has an impact on the story that we're telling. If you're still going to call it Episode 7, if you just started over and told a new story with new characters and had cameos, it's fine. But I, I feel like there's a responsibility that comes with calling it episode seven. And again, I'm, I'm fully aware that I take this stuff way too seriously when I talk about it like this. But um, So the shot of Vader's burnt helmet gave me mixed emotions, but at least it implied to me that there's going to be a little bit of that in there. Sure. Um, uh, and that Luke's using Luke's dialogue from Return of the Jedi, but re-recorded and with the little added thing to right. it. Which implies, it does imply that maybe one of the characters is a descendant of one of them, I think. I mean, there is, a, I mean, I know that's speculation, but there is, is an implication where the Force is strong in my family, blah, 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 and you have it. Well, to you me, uh, and, and as much as... Or I, he's talking to us. I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> it goes blank, and he goes, and you have it too. You know? <laughs> he means me! I tried, um, no, I, I tried to get my cell phone to come with, to me through the air, and it didn't <laughs> work, so he obviously wasn't talking to me. Um, I think... As, as as much as I do love the expanded universe, I do think this is more interesting. This suggestion that Luke hasn't just run out and started recruiting Force users into a new academy that that maybe there is you know maybe we've gone thirty years and Luke's it. Yeah, I, no, I, and that's definitely what it seems like. Yes, yeah, it definitely that, what it seems like, and that, that opens it, up some some very interesting possibilities and. And the fact 
you know, let's just go ahead and look at the fact that Vader's helmet is there. It's melted and burned, but the fact that 30 years later... Somebody has it. He's still casting a shadow, as you said. Yeah. Yeah. How much... You know, obviously Darth well, Vader, one of the greatest villains in cinematic history, uh, prequels notwithstanding, the fact that 30 years later he's still a factor, he's dead and he's still a factor, like, wow. Yeah. Well, no, he's I mean, hanging over this, the entire thing. Right. When the first teaser came out back at Christmas, when we saw the uh, the the guy ignite the lightsaber in the forest, almost everybody went, is that Endor? And now seeing the the burned helmet of Vader, which you know, honestly, should we should, we could call it something like the helm of Vader or something? Sure, uh, you know, because this is a friggin' artifact uh, to use yeah. the best term. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, well, what's what's also interesting though is all the desert stuff is apparently not Tatooine. Yeah, yeah I read that. That's that wild. which is great. Well, yeah, personally, because that is that's something I would I do hope for. There are things I do want to see and don't want to see in the movies, and I don't want to see Tatooine. I want because for me it makes the universe smaller. Yeah. Yes. I want the universe to get bigger. Show us more. That's why I love we have this bigger cast and more people because I want this to. It's a big universe. It shouldn't just be these six same people. Well, it's a big. It's a big universe, and Disney knows it has to get even bigger because I mean we're they're looking at the next. You know, let's be honest. Fifty years of Star Wars. Mm Hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, the only thing I would say about showing Tatooine and things like that is that Star Wars isn't science fiction. It's yeah. a fantasy tale. Oh, and yes. that um, and the planets, the reason the planets all have one climate is that, which is completely unrealistic, <laughs> that they all have one terrain, is that if you put it on a f- the world of a fantasy map, it's not the planet and the moon Endor, it's the forests of Endor. It's the Tatooine Desert. It's the swamps of Dagobah, right? right. You put them on a fantasy map, like a Tolkien-esque Middle Earth map, and they would be the different areas of the world. In mm-hmm. this case, they just use planets and systems as the kind of basis for it. Sure, which is right. why you know some of the early Star Wars novels, novels and stuff got really sci-fi, like the the Lando books and the Han books were much more um, kind of old school seventy science fiction. But uh, but I think that. Um, because they didn't know that yet, but so I wouldn't mind seeing Tatooine and things like that. But I agree with you; they do have to open it up. Um, and and you know they are said the biggest part of my speculation in is because I I am a JJ Abrams fan, but I really disliked Into Darkness, and I thought it showed a complete lack of creativity. And uh, I mean, you are in a Star Trek. This is officially a Star Trek podcast, but um, <laughs> right, right. I, I, you know, it, my my biggest problem with that movie, and it was a problem I have with Man of Steel. To go back to it real quick, is that it was like they were sitting there and they're like, with Star Trek Two, they were like, okay, we created a whole new universe, we created a whole new timeline, we can do whatever we want. So, uh, Khan, yeah, Khan, okay, Khan. All right, what do we yeah. want for lunch? Yeah, it just felt yeah. so lazy to me. In the same yeah. way that doing Zod felt lazy. What's the coolest thing from the old movies that we could use? Yeah. I, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that. To the point where we are going to rip off the last half hour of that movie. Yeah, I think it was a combination of that and because I think they bowed to the online pressure because I, I remember when the first Star Trek movie ended, almost everybody's reaction was, So what are you going to do, Khan? Like no yeah. God no leave him well, alone. He has, he, he's still frozen for Christ's sake. I write about this a lot about 
how this kind of generation of filmmaking and filmmakers is is more of a karaoke generation um, that all they're doing is playing with the toys of their youth and it's kind of disappointed me um, you know in the 70s filmmakers were influenced by uh, filmmakers of the 50s and foreign filmmakers and then in the 90s like the Tarantino boom they were all influenced by filmmakers of the 70s and while Tarantino wears his influences on his sleeve um, you still there's no mistaking a Tarantino movie Right. Um, he's still these guys his own now, story. right? There are his own story, and there's, he's got just his own voice. There's the guys right now that are kind of like the major filmmakers who are getting these things. Are they're just kind of you know? And not to I, I know a lot of people love the movie, but like I was not a fan of Pacific Rim because it just felt like that. It felt like people just taking their toys and playing with them. All anybody wants to do anymore is do a pre-established property <laughs> that they liked as a kid you know let's do gi joe movies let's do transformers movies let's do all these things because the people who grew up on them it is preying on their nostalgia are now the ones who make money and buy tickets yeah. and so let's let's give them that um so so to me star trek 2 is a big example of kind of karaoke filmmaking it was just let's just do the greatest hits um mm-hmm. and I was worried about that with Star Wars. I still reserve a little bit of judgment on that. <laughs> Obviously, having not seen the movie, I still am a little skeptical. But the one thing I said, and I said this on Facebook, if you saw, that I've decided that it's more fun to be excited <laughs> than it is to not be. Sure. Right? It just is. I can sure. be grumpy as shit about it. I could say, you know, oh, that's not Gina Solo or whatever. You right, know, right. I can bitch about stuff. Um, you said Rogue One's a whole different story because, anyway. Yeah, but, we'll we'll have to do another one about that yeah, because I have because, reservations. Because when they sold it, when they sold us this whole like rift, this new new timeline, they said it would be a new post Return of the Jedi continuity, right? And apparently mm-hmm. that's not the case anymore. Now it's just a whole new world. Yeah. Because um, I was like, at least we can hold on to the old Republic stuff and, and things like that, and some of the rebellion stories. Right. They're not. They're not literally going to throw away the EU. They're just right. not going to necessarily use it. And now it looks like they're going to directly. The, yeah, because I already know episode. how the Death Star plans got stolen. Uh, yes, because exactly. it's been established. Exactly. But, yeah. Because what puppets. I was. He's the master spy. No, that's for Death Star Manny. too. The, yeah, that's the second. That's the oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the okay. second one involves a woman named Bria Theron, who was actually Han Solo's ex-girlfriend, who uh, died trying to get the Death Star plans. Um, okay. And there's there are very in-depth stories about it. So, and I love Felicity Jones as an actress, so it'll be really interesting to see what they do. Uh, they, they're saying it's basically going to be a big war movie. Um, but uh, so I, I have my reservations, but it's just more fun to be excited for it because I go back to 1999 and. You know, if we erase the results, it was still a hell of a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. I had a great time waiting in line for 12 hours for six. It was fun. I, it was it was a good time. The anticipation was awesome. It, were, it was the only time I had felt that was like the summer of 89 waiting for Batman. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it, I'm right it, there. It, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I'm just saying it's just, it's just more fun to be excited than it is to be a downer. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to camp out again, but I did the same thing for 90, for uh, Phantom when it came out. Is yeah. I camped out overnight, had a great time in the line, and nothing I think will ever top that moment when the, the, the theater went dark and a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away came up and I felt like this, like somebody poured wo- cold water down my spine. Oh yeah. yeah. 
and the crowd is downward slide from there. Um, Total nerd chills. It was just like, that's one of the greatest, happiest moments of my life. The next hour to two hours after that, you know. But Do you know how high I was? I fucking loved it the first time. <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was great. I mean, oh, I, I I'm, a, yeah. I'm a person who who acknowledges, like you said with the books and everything, I acknowledge that they're bad movies and I will never defend them, but I've chosen to like them. Yes. Um, uh, even though I think they're terrible. But <laughs> I have chosen to like them because I like things that happen in them. I like moments. And by the way, call, uh, Maul v. Kenobi is one of the coolest fights you'll ever see. Oh, absolutely. Well, that was... <laughs> That was where we finally got to see Jedi's doing Jedi shit. Yes. Yeah. Um, no, and I right. like the force pushing and all that stuff. There was cool stuff, but yeah, no, it would. So I've just decided what you know. Does it set me up to be more disappointed at Christmas? It does. Um, but it's still Star Wars. The fact is, I'm gonna like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whether it's good or not is a different question. <laughs> well, guys, we've spent uh, an hour. Discussing five minutes of footage, essentially. <laughs> so let's yeah. do uh, internet. Final, yeah. yeah, exactly. Final thoughts on uh, the current trailer, which I'm sure we'll get many more. But the current trailer for Force Awakens, uh, I'll kick it off by saying I'm so excited that we have really a, a new continuity. I like the fresh start. Uh, is I, I think Grand Admiral Thrawn is my favorite villain from Star Wars history, but yeah. I'm excited at a fresh start. I'm excited to discover this new galaxy far, far away. And, man, Han and Chewie at the end, holy shit. And if you didn't tear up, you're lying. You're, you're, like, <laughs> yeah. you're like that guy that says his tattoos didn't hurt. You're full of shit. Um, guys, what do you, what do you think? Uh, I, I'm, you know, I, I am very, very happy. I'm very excited. Uh, J.J. Abrams knows character, and the most important thing in Star Wars is character. I like the, div- how diverse this cast looks. We got, uh, a bunch of really nice, cool-looking people that can act. <clears throat> we got people we haven't even seen yet. Andy Serkis, uh, is in here somewhere. I love the fact that it's What's-Her-Name from Game of Thrones inside that Chrome Trooper, and I want to know who the hell she is and what the hell she's doing. Right. Because I think she's our new Darth Vader. Yeah, Uh, I really want to know what that person is. Yeah, because, you know, she's the one flying that TIE fighter that's chasing the the Falcon at the end. Uh, So I am on board for this movie. I cannot wait. Um... I mean, as I said, I, I ha- I've had my reservations the whole time. As you know, I, I, I pitched a fit when they canceled Clone Wars. I, I just I just didn't trust Disney for quite some time. Sure. This. Um, uh, you know, turns out they had a plan with Rebels, and Rebels is basically just a sequel to Clone Wars, and I'm enjoying it. Dude, how um, much did you flip out when Ahsoka showed up? My favorite character in the Expanded Universe. So I was happy. She's <laughs> actually my favorite character in the Expanded Universe. Nice. Um, I, am and so I guess it's not even Expanded. That's canon, I guess, but I love the hell out of Ahsoka. Um, I thought the trailer was amazing. The only reservation I have is I thought the Phantom Menace trailer was amazing. So we have to <laughs> – it was. The Phantom yeah. Menace trailer was badass. Yeah. So we have to just remember that. Do you remember Duel of the Fates debuting on MTV? Oh, the yes. video? Yes. Holy Dude. shit. And it's still a great piece of music. It yeah. still kind of gives me chills. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think they did a good job with the music. Uh, is going to get everybody – Using the Luke's voice, we don't get to see him, but hearing him talk, you know, with a revised version of his little bit from Return of the Jedi was nice. It definitely makes me excited. 
um, uh, I will, you know, I'll be that guy and it'll get me buying toys again and it will, I'll read all the books leading up to it. And I'm definitely stoked. Um, it's just for me, it's a little, the chances, I'm just a little heartbroken about the whole thing. Sure. And I still am. And investing in it too much could hurt me really bad. And it, again, makes me sound like such a pussy, but it just, no, I understand. It, it's my nerd drug of choice. Yeah. And it's kind of the closest thing I have to a religion. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it taught me more than, you know, going to church ever did. So I think that, you know, if it doesn't pan out, it's going to really hurt. And knowing that then I'm going to have to watch them make more movies and spin off movies. And the other thing I wanted to say real fast yeah, yeah. was that one of the reasons I was upset about the whole Disney thing was that, um, between 99 and 2005, you know, but before that, like after Return of the Jedi, if, if people remember, if, they're too, if you're too young to remember, between, between Return of the Jedi and Phantom Menace, there was nothing. Yeah. Until 1992, when they started doing the new books and then with, with the Heir to the Empire series by Timothy Zahn and then the Dark Empire comics by Cam Kennedy and Tom Vietch, however you pronounce his last name. And it, it brought about the resurgence of the, the expanded universe. And for a long time, Star Wars was the – it belonged to just Star Wars fans, right? It belonged to the geeks. Yeah. And then in 99, it became everybody's fucking business again, right? Yeah. And from 99 to 2005, it became everybody's business and every and not only become everybody's business it became the butt of everybody's jokes because the prequels aren't very good mm-hmm. so when sith came out one of the things i was relieved about was oh i get my thing back now i can just go back to reading the books and reading the comics and playing the games and living in my own little fantasy world <laughs> you know that i love so much mm-hmm. and i get it back from the mainstream i don't have to hear people talking about it or whatever so when the sale of disney all of a sudden it got skyrocketed back up and i feel like a little bit of hipstery sure saying you know it's like it's my thing and now and i know star wars is huge but people forget for a very long time it wasn't like that you've you've still been there for the last decade whereas everybody else i never left right yeah i never left and so to so to have it to, to have it kind of um take over be back at pop culture again in a, in a, in a way that's going to make a billion dollars at the box office. It's great. I just feel like a little sad because I lost my thing mm-hmm. um, back to the world, and I thought I had gotten it back. Yeah. Know? And so I was content with books and right. comics. Right. You know? So, but – I'm 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 definitely stoked. I've watched the trailer a million times, and not just because I was going to do this podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, you're lucky I'm not watching it right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's still queued up on my screen because while I was waiting for you to call, I was watching it a few more times. So, well, guys, the, uh, the fantastic conversation. Uh, honestly, we barely scratched the surface, uh, but yeah. uh, but we yeah. we had. We had good nerd talk, which is what we always want here. Yeah, I got and lots of to me. And, uh, yeah, right. Well, and which is why you will be back on sooner than later. Uh, it oh, is. Pl- it's plug time where everybody okay. gets to uh, plug your Twitter or internet presence. Uh, Gary, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me on the Facebooks. You can find me at Revolution SF, which is at revolutionsf.com, and Facebook slash Revolution Sci-Fi. Uh, you can also find me as co-host of or co-track director of the American Sci-Fi Classics track at DragonCon, which Mr. Phantom will be there. Yes. 
And uh, you can find us there on the Facebook as American Sci-Fi Classics. We're also on the Twitters. And you can find me personally on the Twitter as Gary underscore Mitchell. And yes, Star Trek fans, it is my real name. <laughs> and Chad, where can we find you online? Uh, unfortunately, you cannot find me at Dragon Con this year, even though I would love – one day I will get back, I promise. Um because I can't go to San Diego anymore. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Chad J. Shonk. That's S-H-O-N-K. Um, uh, I'm on there. That's pretty much you know my main means of communication. Uh, if you want, you can check out the movie that I wrote, Dakota Sky, S-K-Y-E, which is on Hulu for free. Uh, also available on DVD if you'd like to purchase that. And also my novel, Proxy, first book I ever wrote, is available exclusively through Amazon. So if you just search my name, you can find it that way. Um, and uh, if you like it, if you love it, give it five stars. If you like it, give it four stars. If you hate it, give it four stars. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's it. Awesome. Guys, thank you so much. Uh, what, what a great time. And we will look forward to both of you returning to the show as soon as humanly possible, probably to discuss Star Wars again. Absolutely. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com.